Welcome back to Rock the Culture. It's season two, episode seven. This is the podcast where we give you conversation and perspective on all things Central Arkansas, all things Little Rock, all things the culture. I'm your host, Antoine Phillips. You can find me on Instagram at Antoine Phillips. And I got my man in here, uh, Bad Singing Blake. Mm, Favorite <laughs> representative, always repping, two take, three turn. You can find me on Instagram at RepBlake36. Man, this season two, uh, it's episode seven. Last week was Labor Day week, so we gave y'all the... Uh, an interview we had with Mario Settles about Truck Please. Without, Special Truck Please pod. Yeah, and without the perspective and conversation section. So, Blake, I feel like I hadn't been in here in a minute, man. You skip a week and you you feel, hope we ain't rusty. You always rusty. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, you ain't about to be disrespecting me. <laughs> on the air, on man. On the air, like, for real. <laughs> Hold on, Q, cut that, cut that. <laughs> for real. <laughs> Hey, I'm still from Southwest, bro. I know people be forgetting. I'm a, it's Tuesday. Y'all know it's Bowtie Tuesday. So I'm in here in this Bowtie, and I think uh, two take, three turn. Forgot I'm from 65th and Butler, bro. You can't he say be- he's from Southwest, but, but but your boy didn't even know where Hard Scramble was. Calling you out. Calling bro, you why out. you? See, that's off the air news <laughs> that you bring it on the air. Shout out to the people who know where hard scramble is. That's right, buddy. I had to be educated. I ain't say I, I don't say I know everything. I know a lot of things. We know you don't know everything, Twan. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> man, it's season two. Blake, you know we uh, season two brought to you by culturally connected communications. Uh, continually uh, to support them as they support us. Want y'all to continue to reach out to the great folks. Want to give a personal shout out to the people who run culturally connected communications. C three. Pam Jones for her vision, for her initiative to say, hey, uh, there's a market out there for, you know, multicultural marketing and putting people with businesses. And just a shout out to her for Mm -hmm. starting a business, starting a brand um, and and building on it and providing opportunity for, you know, people all across the state of Arkansas. And touching on that, you know, just just a quick shout out. I I know you, you talked about Pam starting a business, starting a brand. We got Med Week. Coming right. up real soon. So so keep your eyes out for Mad Week is week. now. Mad Week is now. Well keep your eyes out for <laughs> Mad Week. There there's an event tonight, right? Right. Yeah. So uh check out the uh the chamber website and there and that's and Mad Week is minority enterprise, enterprise development. development week. Yeah. So and obviously C three is a minority enterprise development. Mm-hmm. So perfect timing right there, uh three term Blake. Uh in addition to midweek, if you listen to this pod on Tuesday, the week of Tuesday, September 11th, the, you mentioned the midweek event um, to on Tuesday, September 11th at the Mosaic Templars is a young professional for, forum for young professionals mayoral forum mm-hmm. uh, where the five mayoral candidates are going to debate issues that's important to. I shouldn't. Even, I don't like the phrase young professionals actually. Because then they make you feel like, you know, you got to have a certain job or be in a certain career track to be considered. Or, or a certain age. Or a certain... Well, no, nah, I'm okay with age discrimination in that regard. You you, you, you forever young, Twan? Hey, that's what Jay-Z say, bro. <laughs> what he say, Twan? I'm forever young. <laughs> so I'm living life like a video where the summer's always out and it never gets cold. No. Boom. And the champagne always cold <laughs> and the women always good. All right, back to the shout out. Back, back to the shout out. Anyway, um, so that that's I don't like the term young professional. Let me get there because sometimes I think we alienate people in our age demographic, real talk, real talk. in our racial demographic, and they say, "Hey, you know, I work at you name a place. I work at Walmart. Yeah, so I'm not a young professional. I'm not involved. No, you still involved because these issues affect you whether you work at Walmart. Yeah, or you work." At Stevens. If you get paid to work, you're a professional. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but I think some people got this mindset that if I don't wear a button down to work, then I'm not a professional. Good call. Uh, so I just want to say it's focus on young folks um, and the issues that affect us um, are going to be discussed at this mayoral forum on September 11 at Mosaic Templars. Other thing we got to give a shout out before we get into the rundown, Blake, this Saturday... The Black Food Truck Festival going down at Philander Smith College Saturday, uh, September 15th from 11 to 3 p.m. I think that's put on by the AABP, uh, Arkansas Arkansas Association of Black Professionals. Rock the Culture will be in the house. We actually will have a booth, Blake. So mm-hmm. if you hadn't got your merch. With some merch. Get the merch. Get the merch. What about your boy 50 getting shot 
off play hour. He ain't on the show no more. You spoiling for people who ain't watched it yet, bro. Bro, you ain't watched two, three weeks ago. Some people been busy. But y'all need to watch the show. You ain't that busy. What, what about Tommy, though? Now you really is spoiling it, though. <laughs> I ain't going to say nothing about that. We'll talk about that I next week. Say, it's a big, rich town. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so if you hadn't got your Rock the Culture merch, you can do that this Saturday at the Black Food Truck Festival. We'll have a booth set up. You come holler at uh, me, one take Twan, two take three turn Blake. Grammy Q Note will be in the building. You can come uh, holler at any of us to get the uh, Rock the Culture gear. And we got more gear coming for the fall, too, Blake. We I'm going to put this on the air. We're going to have the hoodies for y'all to rock the culture. We're going to have different colors. So y'all y'all keep rocking the culture, and we'll keep rocking the culture with y'all. Also, also a lot of stuff going on this weekend. Yeah. As well, the food, uh, Black Food Truck Festival there at the Paul Lawrence Dunbar uh, Community Festival. Okay. Over off of, uh, over uh, at Dunbar Middle School, Dunbar Gardens. So that's- and, and, and for people who don't know, Paul Lawrence Dunbar is the namesake for Dunbar, Dunbar Middle. Dunbar Middle School, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's this Saturday, September 15th, correct? Yes. So so come on down to the hood. Come on down to, to District 36. You got the Food Truck Festival, Paul Lawrence, Dunbar. I'll see you. I'll see you there. We out here. Yeah. And before we get into our rundown, the last thing we got to do, got to give a shout out to the Connects. I always want to shout out Arkansas Time for giving us the platform and thinking of creative ways for us to build our brand as they're building their brand. So shout out to them. Continue to give you great cover stories, one of which we're going to talk about today about the Little Rock School District. Um, and then I always got to give a shout out to, to to our guy, Grammy Q Note, on the IG. Keys to the City TV Films on YouTube. Man, he continued to produce the pod and giving y'all quality sound. Uh, I was to one, uh, I was watching Daily Show. And I guess uh, DeRay McKesson was on Daily Show. And he was talking about how Daily Show now have a podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's called In Your Ears. Mm. And I was like, man, Q-Note been in your ears. Since your ears had ears. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? People just taking, <laughs> people just taking what we're doing. And we, you know what Jay-Z said, right? What'd he say? They said they don't paint pictures. They trace me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We've been painting these pictures. Q-Note been painting pictures. Trying to be carbon copies. Yeah, I'm saying. Hey, shout out to Grammy Q-Note. On the IG uh, for for the culture, yeah. And if in case y'all was wondering, if I sound a little better on the pod today, that's because I got my beats on. <laughs> <laughs> Tanisha, he got your beats. <laughs> she said it was cool though. She said it was cool because she wouldn't got some. Uh, well, I'm the only one up here without no beats on, man. I just but, noticed that. Yeah, y'all you, left me you, out. You are not part of the culture. <laughs> I'm, a real, I'm a real middle child. I feel see this that syndrome. Like everybody got the beats. <laughs> Go get you some beats, bro. Well, I didn't even get mine. I had to borrow. But go oh, borrow you some. Go borrow you some beats. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, man, let's get to the news, man. It was a big week. We missed basically we two weeks behind on the news. Uh, behind on the news, but some things happened that we need to talk about. Again, Little Rock is in the news. It was an Arkansas business article about whether our city, our capital city, is losing its luster, mm. and you know the the perception. Of, of our city being the lead city in, in Arkansas. Other thing in the news is Little Rock School District, as it relates to the facilities plan that Superintendent Michael Poor is coming out with. Yeah. And how they're losing students. En- enrollment population. En- enrollment population. Increasing. And so they're no longer the biggest um, school district in the state. And then third... Give you a little recap on that LRPD lawsuit we talked about a few weeks ago with the with with B Schlifflibin. Yeah, Brandon S. Schlifflibin. <laughs> Brandon, <laughs> Brandon S. When it got Brandon S. said, uh, uh, "Give me the cheese." Uh, what fifty? That's another fifty saying. Uh, I got money. Ain't that a fifty yeah. song? Yeah. How it go? I don't know. I get, I get, get money. money. I. Hey, yeah. <laughs> money is mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got you. We got you. Okay, whatever, whatever. Um, <laughs> so let's get into those three stories, Blake. First one, let's talk about this Arkansas business article that came out the week of August 27th um, by Kyle Massey. It was a cover story for the Arkansas business. Basically, it says, is Little Rock losing its luster? Is, is Northwest Arkansas really the place to be? Is, is Little Rock not what we think it is, Blake? 
What, what's your immediate reaction? I, it, it picked up, actually, the title picked up something that we've been talking about for months. It yeah. picked up the perception issue we have in Little Rock and the stagnant, the stagnant growth, uh, stagnant um, everything. And and that's the, the first the first thing I, I picked up out of the article is that we, we still have people con- more concerned with the perception than the actual problems that we have here. Now, Little Rock is is our home. We we love I love Little Rock. Right. Very white boys. But um <laughs> shout out to season one pod. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a perception issue, but there are some actual problems. Yeah. Our school district is an actual problem. Uh the lack of job growth is an actual problem. Um crime, the rise in crime over the last couple years is an actual problem. Now these aren't problems that, that we haven't faced before. But if we continue to look at it and just say everything is good, we have all these metrics that show that that we're competitive with Northwest Arkansas. We have uh, what they say in in in, in the article uh, binders of statistics, statistics that, right. that show that we're doing well. Never mind you that Mitt Romney. You remember Mitt Romney at the presidential debate? They had binders don't full of it. women. Don't. That's what he said. I know. I didn't say it. That's what Mitt Romney said. Yeah. But <laughs> if if we only look at it as as perception and not look at the actual stagnation that we have here, then we're doing ourselves a disservice. Right. So you look at some of the numbers. You're talking about the stagnation. So uh, uh, when you're talking about the binders of stats, what they were referring to was our current mayor, Mayor Stola, and the CEO of the chamber, Jay Chester, talking about there are good things going there are, on. And and you, you know, I I had a I recent recently had a conversation with, with Jay Chester and he, and you know some of those stats that he's showing are really impressive stats uh, about the, the number of jobs that the chamber has has uh created, created yeah. or being involved right, in creating. Yeah, yeah. You know that's that's something that, that we, we, we have to we have to to take as a positive and grow on. You know, we can't stop there and say, right. look at what we're doing, we're doing so well, but we have to say let's let's grow from there. Right, but some of those numbers you're talking about job stagnation. So in the article, they say over the past year, uh, from basically June 2017 compared to June 2018, you know, we've lost about a thousand in labor force, a uh, thousand in overall unemployment, and grew. Uh, almost 100 in unemployment of people mm-hmm. who are not looking for work. When you look at the numbers in Northwest Ar- Arkansas, it's the exact opposite. They are creating more jobs and lowering unemployment. And when you try to compare Little Rock... And, and just to be clear, this this is region, region versus region. This right. is not... Because we talked about that before. Yeah. The, the regionalism of Northwest Arkansas compared to the city of Little Rock. Right. But we're all talking about Central Arkansas as a region as well. Right. They were talking about Little Rock, North Little Rock, Conway, Ben Bryan yeah. compared to... Fayetteville, Springdale, Lowell, Benville. Benville. And what 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 we talked about in the article, though, and this is kind of highlighting some things you and I talked about before, is that when we talk about the things that are good in Little Rock, it's focused on a certain part of town. And exactly. I think you and I talked about this on the, uh, not on Rock the Culture, but on the podcast, the conversation with Matt Price about whether, what's the heartbeat of the city? What's the heartbeat and what's the spine? Yeah. Right. And I think you said the heartbeat of the city line would be Highway Five from from the airport going down uh, Roosevelt Asher. That's that's the heartbeat. That's that's what we should be concerned of. Right. The, the better the the more uh, we focus and are intentional on that area. Our both both sections, all sections of our city grow because we're coming from the airport through West Little Rock, through John Barrow, through South End. You know, going all the way out to almost Bryant. And I said in response on that pod, just as to reiterate, that I thought the heartbeat of the city is downtown. And you got to have a good heart if you're going to use the body analogy. But your other body parts got to work. Yeah. And, and and just in contrast, I was saying that I think downtown is the spine. Right. It's the, it's the central nervous right. system, you know, that we have to have. We have to be strong downtown, but but that we should be focused on on on. The, the health of our heart, yeah, right. So, and when you're when these statistics were being discussed in this article, a lot of what you heard was what we're calling what you say the spine or what I say the heart is downtown, not focusing on those other body parts to make sure that the that the perception is different. If you want the perception of your body to be different, you got to take care of everything. You're absolutely right. You can't just take care of your heart. Mm-hmm. You can't be like, oh, I'm in great shape and, and can't walk, and you know? can't walk. Yeah, I'm in great shape, and then. 
you know, thinking any other ailment or disability to a body part. And that's I think that's where we are. And that's why there is that perception problem here in Little Rock. And that le- leads me to, you know what Jay-Z said. What did he say to him? He said, around here we measure, hold on. Do you know what he said to him? Yeah, I do know what he said. <laughs> I had this one. This one easy. Is it easy to it? Can you help me out? No, don't help me out. Don't help me out. <laughs> Can I get a verse? We merge We. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I forget. Okay, I got. I got. Okay, got. okay. Around here, we measure success by the people successful next to next you. To, yeah. Around here, we call you broke if everybody broke except for you. Yeah. And what they're saying about the city of Little Rock, if we're going to be successful, we're going to change our perception. It just can't be successful downtown. It yeah, just can't be the yeah, main street. Right. Clinton Avenue corridor. If you want to be successful, the whole the town, whole, the everyone whole, around us needs to be successful. Exactly. And we need, you know, a vision that looks at all parts of the city. You know what, city. What, what stood out to me in that article, on, on that section in that, in that article, is that it talks about, uh, the mayor actually talks about, you know, we've laid down this many sidewalks in across south, south of 630, 630 yep. but then we grow tech park and jobs in downtown. And that I respect the sidewalks. We talked about. We sidewalks. talked about. We we talked about. That. I respect yeah. the sidewalks, but that can't be the only metric that we're talking about. South of six thirty, right? Why aren't we growing jobs on Roosevelt in Southwest? Why aren't we growing jobs? You know, beyond. Why aren't we? Why aren't we focused and bragging on on the on the stuff that we're doing out in Southwest Little Rock yeah. instead of just saying, you know, we got the creative corridor and the tech corridor, and this is how many jobs, restaurants, retails. Uh, uh, Loft apartments we're right. going in downtown. But, yeah, south of 630, we put up a few a, sidewalks, a, a mile of sidewalks and some curbs. And another, you know, there was an article in the- That saw, shows the lower expectations, exactly. too. Exactly. It shows that, that we're doing what we have to do down there because we have to do it. And not that and not, not really even doing it, though. Yeah. I mean- You know, and that brings me back to a, another article that was in Arkansas Times a couple weeks ago. About Baker Curtis. Yeah. You know, and we've had this conversation where he, where he, in that article, he says, sidewalks and curbs are nice, but what do they really do? And that bothered me. You know, because sidewalks and curbs are needed. Not that they're nice. It's a necessity. So saying, being, going through and saying we're putting up sidewalks and curbs and south, that's something that we should have been doing. Okay, okay. Now, uh, two take, three turn black. I get what you're saying. I want to make sure our culture cohorts understand because you're getting a little nuance. Okay, my bad. Because No, no, it's good. I okay. want to go deep into go it because what you're saying is in one part where the current mayor says we did sidewalks as a flag of yeah, success. That, that's what we're doing south of 630 is sidewalks. And then you got the one of the mayoral candidates saying what do sidewalks do Yeah, is not that important. Yeah. You got one saying, hey, this is great. This is what we're doing, sidewalks. And then the other one saying, that's... But, but what do we do? I mean, but what does, what does that really do? You right. Know, and, that's, and that's two sides of a bad argument. Right. Because the, the thing is, if, if, you, if you haven't walked through, through the neighborhoods in south, south of 630, you don't know that, it's, for instance, on Roosevelt, uh, coming from I, I-30 to, to Main Street, there is no sidewalks on the side of the street where, where our house is. So, to be fair, though, the city just passed. You're absolutely right. Spend some money, and they're going to implement some sidewalks right there. That doesn't solve the problems of other parts of 630, but right there, that's, that's, that's in the process. It. And they should fix it because if you don't have sidewalks, you got, you got people walking in the dirt, walking in the street. And if it rains, they're walking in mud. If it mm-hmm. rains, you, you don't know that, that that area of town is flooding. So sidewalks and uh, curbs and drainage is a necessity. It's needed. It, we shouldn't be harping on that's the growth we're doing. We should be taking care of it because it needs to be done. That's 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 basic. That's basic. That's basic health care. Like, if yeah. you go to the dentist and get your teeth clean every six months, you're not like, bro, I'm taking care of myself. I got I got clean. Yeah, yeah no, hey. no, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> like, get your teeth clean, everybody. Shout out. Rock the culture. Clean I didn't teeth. get that root canal, but I got my teeth clean. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the bare minimum. So th- those are the things, the perception things about our city that we need to change. I talked to one of our friends over the weekend who lives in D.C. now. And he was like, man, I appreciate what y'all, what, what y'all doing with the pod. I'm, I'm paying attention to the city. And I said, man, we're, we're trying to create a city to make you want to come back home to. Exactly. And, you know, basically he said, y'all, we got some work to do. We absolutely do. And I agree with him. And I think this article kind of highlights some of that, but misses on some important points 
on the real issues why there is a Little Rocket maybe losing its luster. Yeah. And as long as we kind of gloss over parts of town and not concerned about everyone being successful, the luster will continue to be Absolutely. lost. Absolutely. Um, so let's move to our next story, Blake, about the uh, Little Rock School District. The last time we was on the pod, it was the Monday, literally a few hours before the superintendent, Michael Poor, released his uh, had his press conference, press conference about yeah. the facilities plan. Uh, Since then, there there's there's been a meeting at Little Rock McClellan, right, uh, about what um, what the plan is. And no, uh, I, I think there have been multiple meetings. There was one last night, September 10th, at JA Fair. So there have been uh, meetings at Little Rock McClellan, Little Rock Fair, about what the facilities plan will be. But I want to tie that in, Blake, into a couple of different stories. One, shout out to Benji Hardy for doing a very detailed, thorough analysis. A great piece. Yeah. Of what's going on at the Little Rock School District and last week, Arkansas Times. And also our article that was in the Arkansas Dem Gazette about Little Rock School District no longer being the biggest district in the state. That's crazy, man. And 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 we need to help people understand why those things are connected. Um, and it's my understanding, one take, hashtag one take thoughts, is that we're losing, one of the reasons why we need a facilities plan is because we're losing students. And I think the article about the Little Rock School District said over the past two years, we've lost over 2,000 students. Mm -hmm. Since it's, this is the school year 2018, 2019, so in 2016, 2017, we had 2,000 more students than we currently do now, roughly. Which in dollars, I, I know recently they, they said that we, we lost nearly 1,100 students this year. Yeah, just from 2017 to 2008, 2017, 2018, compared to the current school year, we lost 1,100 students. Which in dollars is about $3 million. Correct. That goes to facilities, it goes to educating kids, it goes to making sure that our, our school Teacher district, salaries. Our school district is strong and stable. So that's that's three that's real the real figures three million dollars coming off the books because we lost eleven hundred students. That's on top of the five million that Michael Poor had to cut off the budget going into this school year. Yeah. So you're talking about within a school year, a school year and a half, two years, you're losing about eight million dollars yeah. in your budget. So now, now we're in a place where we need to have facility plan discussions uh -huh. around the city. Say, okay, we're losing money. We're losing students. Now we got to repurpose buildings. We got to repurpose buildings. Combine some schools. Right. Uh, and people getting upset again, man. We seeing more of the same. You don't want to. I'm don't want to point the finger. You know, just at the charter schools, but the charter school enrollment. Factor. They're a factor. Is they increasing enrollment? The Little Rock School District is decreasing. You yeah. don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out to, to know, figure for, that part for, out. For every for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. Right. Yeah. And we hadn't really evaluated that impact other than what we see here lost in dollars and cents. But now I want to so we that's the backdrop. That's why we are where we are with the Little Rock School District and yeah. part of the reason why we having the facilities plan. Superintendent Poor had the press conference said, "Hey, we're trying to repurpose some schools." Um now we're hearing discussions again about this South of 630. And why are the repurpose potential closing of, of schools? Not all, but primarily happening south of six thirty. Yeah, uh, which is a concern for folks. Yeah, uh, seems like, and this is something that uh, Senator Elliott, one of, one of our one of our one of my colleagues, could, continues to to say is that s certain people shouldn't have to carry the burden a hundred percent of the time. Um, and that's and that's that's what that's what a lot of people are feeling like. A lot of people are feeling like all of all of the heavy lifting, all of the changes have uh, go into these communities that are south of six thirty, and and that we should be we should be talking about repurposing uh, school if we have to repurpose districts if we have to have K through eight we should be doing it all over our city and and not just in certain. Uh, a, a, uh, uh, communities, right? So there, there are some, there are some challenges and opportunities there. One thing that um, Blake and I was member of Think Big Little Rock uh, Strategic Initiative. One thing that came out of that plan was the need for uh, increase in pre K opportunities. Yeah. So maybe this plan allows for us to have more dedicated pre K early childhood centers. But again, I, I do sympathize with Senator Elliott that. All that shouldn't be on the same people every time. Every time. Uh, I mean, we, we close Franklin. 
Uh, we were talking about closing Carver. We talked right. about closing Stevens. We closed what Wilson, right. Franklin, and Hamilton. Yeah. Hamilton, yeah, right. Um, which are all, and I, I can understand because that's her legislative district. You yeah, know, that's that's she that's, has to that's, fight that fight. That's her constituents that, and and we should we should be able to to all share the burden. If if there is, and we say we all, that's all, yeah, all parts of the city. All parts of the city should, should should share their burden if there is a burden, right? And I will say that these we continue to post the meeting forms that y'all need to go out to and voice your opinion about these issues. What's important though, and we talked about this two weeks ago, is that we should be involved. We should be active. We should let the superintendent and the school, uh, the people who are running our lower school district, know what we think. But it's also incumbent upon them to listen to us. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I hate is when somebody called me and said, man, should I wear the black shirt or the blue shirt? And they're wearing the black shirt already. And they're already wearing the black. You already made up your mind that you're going to wear the black shirt. So don't Bro, even ask me. my input for? Don't you ask already me. Fi- yeah, yeah I, I feel you. I hate that. Yeah. So it's incumbent on the Little Rock School District to not put us in that situation that they actually hear the people out and allow Absolutely. those uh, constituents, those parents, those students to influence the way our district looks in the future so we don't continue to lose students mm-hmm. uh, and lose dollars that affects where our buildings are, how much our teachers get paid. These things are very important. We need our culture to be involved. You need to be at these meetings. People need to see you. They need to hear you. They need to feel you. Um, Absolutely. And it's on our superintendent and his team to listen to us. Yeah, good call. Uh, the last thing to talk about, Blake, uh, real quickly before we get to our special guest is what happened uh, with the Little Rock Police Department uh, a few, I guess it's been a few weeks ago, we talked about the lawsuit about the use of the N-word. Yes. And there were a few different police officers who were... Uh, a t- black man, a white man, a black lady. Right. Who were terminated for their use of the N-word on that social media for And they all reasons. suing the LRPD for, right. for three different reasons. Exactly. Yeah. And two of those folks have settled their lawsuit. Together. Together. They, yeah. they were represented by the same attorney. They received $50,000 for that lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Half of that money's coming from the city of Little Rock, coming from our tax dollars. Yeah. Other half is coming from... Muni League. The Muni League, which is has a relationship to cover city... City expen- insurance and liabilities. Yeah. Right. For a situation like this. Um, what's important about this, uh, I thought Blake was two things. One... Uh, the city re- agreed to resolve this, but they didn't admit any wrongdoing. The Little Rock Police Department not admitting any wrongdoing by firing these folks. But they cannot get a job with the city, though. Boy. No. No job with the city. We, we give you 50000 Right. Don't come back here for no job. Exactly. You can never work for the city in any <laughs> shape, form, and fashion ever again. Ever. Uh, so that's important. Another thing that came out, and this was mentioned on Arkansas Time Blog, is that during these conversations... Uh, during? What'd I say? It wasn't. What'd I say? Boy, they were trying to correct me <laughs> when I was speaking. I'm sorry. Hey, shout out. You know, uh, Representative Blake just mad because uh, U.S. News World Rankings came out this week, and Bowden was still top five. And uh, I, I looked in top ten. I didn't see Grinnell. But if you go a little bit past top man, ten. Man, Arkansas Times already told you about these bogus <laughs> rankings, man. These rankings, best of schools, worst of schools. <laughs> anyway, but what came up What came up uh, during those discussions, those settlement discussions, is that our Little Rock police chief apparently admitted during the deposition that he uses the N-word. And the lawyer for the uh, people who settled the lawsuit was basically like, I mean, now we're working with a double standard. So does he use the A or does he use the E-R? Well, he, if that? I if I remember correctly. Because that was part of the lawsuit. Right. The difference between the A and the E-R. I think if I remember correctly, that was part of the, I didn't see the deposition transcript, but I think he said he used the E-R. Um... <laughs> Why is that funny? <laughs> Black people don't use the ER. What I'm getting at, Blake, is that we, this is not right. This is not fair. This is wrong. Black people, some black people going to keep saying the N-word. Yeah, forever. Forever. And we can't. They're going to re-own it, repurpose it. Right. Yeah. You can't keep trying to evaluate it the same as when other people do it. That's not fair. That's wrong. That's a double standard. I admit it, but it is what it is. And as long as society, we continue to try to equate the two, then we're going to end up in these same type of situations where, you know, you're trying to judge a black person based on him using or her using a word that's in the same manner that a white person did. And that's going to continue to have a disconnect because people are going to continue to use it. 
And yeah. I'm, I'm not Did surprised. You, ha, have you seen uh, The Shop on HBO? Yeah. LeBron show? Right. He used about 80 times. Okay. In, in a 30-minute phrase. Right. And, and his whole thing is, and it, it, it was amazing. Uh, Q and I talked about this. That's because you're a LeBron fan now, right? I'm a L.A. Bron. <laughs> LeBron. What's up, Nike? Freedom Fridays. Hey, what, what up, up Kaepernick? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm rubbing people the wrong way yeah, now. Yeah, just get What up, Cap? But, <laughs> what that was loud. Did that hurt your beats? <laughs> he, he can adjust it. Okay. Um, hurt your beats. Why you got I'm going to know without these, you're going to let me know. Dude, okay. tell your story. Uh, but LeBron uses it. He's He, he uses this show as a as an outlet, as an avenue to for, to invite people into the, the black barbershop. And the conversation. Into the culture. Into the culture. And he, and they have candid conversations with, I know Snoop Dogg is there, Vince Staples, Jon Stewart, Draymond Green, Candace Parker. And they're having an open and honest conversation with Jon Stewart sitting there. And and that's and that's that's the interesting thing I think about that is that they're they're being their authentic selves, but with within within that thirty minute show, you know, you you hear you hear the culture, you you hear LeBron saying it, being very authentic and saying, you know, in this, in that, MF this, because he is showing you. You know, this is how we communicate with with each other. This is our di- dialect. This is our jargon. It, he's a a billionaire. Right. And he's not going, he is still being true to himself. Now, he is empowered. And I say he, he's empowered because he is a billionaire. Right. And and he has the ability to to to, to do almost, he's still a black man in America, but he still has the ability to do what he wants. Right. But th- that's just piggy, piggybacking off what you're saying. Some of us are not ever going to stop using it. Right. And, and uh, but we have to be, we can't let it be a trigger with the ER. Oh, okay. You like that? You like that? I see what you did there. Uh, okay, but you, you know what I'm saying. And, and that was that was. I thought that was. Very Can it be a trigger? No. <laughs> <laughs> Can it be a trigger? It may. Be. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was very 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 interesting. Yeah. So I, I brought that up to because I just want to highlight. Well, obviously, what happened with the city because we need to know what's going on with our city dollars, but also that disconnect that if we continue to try to equate the use of the word between black people and non-black people, it's never going to work. Yeah, because black people have re-owned the word. Um, so we're gonna leave it there on this week's news, man, and get ready for our special guest. And I've been so excited about having this woman on the show because. Um, you know, we didn't have way too many episodes where it's too much central in the building. Oh my God! And and now we got some McClellan in the building. I got to give a shout out to John L. McClellan. Shout out Southwest Little Rock. Shout out to the class of two thousand one, uh, one and two. Uh, shout out to my friend uh, who is the. Leading expert when it comes to Medicaid issues in the state of Arkansas, and I and and congratulations on your recent uh, uh, nuptials. But I, cause I was gonna call you Marquita Little. That's, that's still fine. That's fine. Yeah. That is fine. Marquita well, Little Newman. Newman. Slightly that's what I'm saying. I want to get it right. I want to be put the hyphen on it, bro. Bro, that's why I ain't trying to disrespect her man. You know what I'm saying? I seen him. He in good shape. <laughs> anyway, Marquita, if you will say say what up to the people. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We want to talk about uh, the Medicaid issue, Arkansas Works, Obamacare. Um, but I had to give a shout out to John L. McClellan. Uh, Marquita and I went to high school together. We did. No embarrassing stories, though. Don't I can't tell. I only got one though. I know. I can't tell it. You're not gonna tell that. Okay. All right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell the one story. I may put it on One Take Tuesdays. Y'all watch out <laughs> for next week. One Take Tuesdays. Um, but Marquita uh, McClellan uh, graduate went on to Hendricks College. Um, then went on to the Clinton School of Public Service, and now what's your official role at Arkansas Advocates? Uh, so I'm the health policy director at Arkansas Advocates. And how long have you been the health policy director? When did you become an expert? Yeah, I don't know. I was trying to figure that out. <laughs> That's a good were... question, because I, cause I <laughs> yeah. let people know, Marquette is the expert. And I thought, she she is the expert. When did she become the expert, though? I mean, when you were introducing me, I was like, now how long? 
have I been an expert? <laughs> um, but so I've been at Advocates uh, since 2014, and I and I came there. Uh, from the Department of Human Services, I actually worked closely with Arkansas Advocates on a lot of Medicaid issues. So I, I was the um, the um, policy director at uh, DHS before I kind of started doing a different kind of advocacy work. Okay, and I and I appreciate your organization because y'all do great work for for our state. Obviously, keep us informed on the issues and fighting against policy. Uh, that can be detrimental to children and families in the state of Arkansas. But specifically, what I want to talk about is how we got from Obamacare a few years ago to where we are now with Arkansas Works and people getting kicked off Medicaid. Because I think sometimes people hear about it on the news. I know I've talked to my family members, mm-hmm. and we don't really get what's, what's happening. I know there's a lot of misinformation or lack of information about what's going on. So I, I wanted you to be here today to, because you are the expert to share that story. Um, don't be shy now. Because we've been to, we, I'm like Blake, every time I, anybody asks me a healthcare question, I say, you need to make sure you talk to Marquita. Exactly. Uh, so Obamacare was implemented in Arkansas. Uh, we, we adopted it a few years ago when Mike Beebe was still the governor. That's right. correct. Right. And if you can kind of give us a, 10,000 foot view of what that was and what where we started before we get to where we are. Okay. Um so since let me try to give my expert summary since okay. you told all <laughs> I'm, I'm an expert. Ho- hopefully I can uh, earn, earn actually earn that title today. Um so yes, you're right. So 2014 we decided to expand Medicaid. So just for like the short history, um, so, you know, the Affordable Care Act or or Obamacare, as it's most commonly known, did a couple things. Um, It created uh, better coverage for people buying private insurance. So you can go on the insurance marketplace, you can buy private coverage that suits your needs. It's kind of like the uh, you know, the um, uh, Expedia or whatever of, of health coverage. Right. Um, pick the plan that works for you, get tax credit, it reduces the cost. Well, the other piece of it was it allowed states to expand Medicaid to more um, families that were low income, adults specifically. Uh, that was the part, and you, you probably could explain more the ins and outs of the legal decision, but that was the part a lot of states challenge. You can't make us expand coverage, and so Supreme Court ruled and said it's an option. And so Arkansas then had the option of expanding coverage for low-income adults, and we did, and we did it with bipartisan support, uh, and we designed a very uh, unique model in Arkansas. So you probably heard it called uh, the private option. So what we do in Arkansas, um, instead of enrolling those people who are qualified for coverage into traditional Medicaid, we actually take those Medicaid dollars and pay their premium for them to be in a private uh, insurance plan. Uh, and it's, it was, I mean, in my opinion, it's pretty genius because um, if you look at surrounding Shout states. Shout out to uh, uh, Representative Blake. That's back when you was one-term Blake? One-term. One term, Blake. You was part of that movement, right? Can I give you some credit for that? For the for the for continuing it, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, is a huge deal, right? right. So we've been able to continue with, yeah. um, even with some political shifts in the state. Um, so, where where was I? It's well, long history. Let's see. Oh, you- oh, okay. So, anyways, we expanded coverage. We buy, we put people in private plans. It's pretty smart. You know, if you look at other states and, and especially in the South surrounding states, premiums have been going way up all around the country. But because we are putting people in private insurance plan, we're like creating more competition, more people participating in purchasing insurance. So our rates in the state for everybody, not just people in the Medicaid expansion uh, program, we've we've kept insurance costs lower uh, for everybody because of this uh, plan. So that's what we're talking about, Medicaid expansion. So when, if and I don't remember the number off top, but I remember it was hundreds of thousands yes. of folks were added to the Medicaid role yep. because of this. Is that accurate? Yes, that's accurate. So basically we had maybe half a million folks, and really? adults in the state, who were uninsured, and the initial estimates said half of those people if we expand Medicaid, half of those folks will have insurance coverage. And all. it's for people up to 138% of the federal poverty level, which means nothing to anybody. So I can tell you what that right. means. Yeah. Uh, if you're an individual, it's about uh, $16,700 or so. Annually. Annually. If, if you earn that annually, right? 
if you earn that, if yeah. that's your annual income. Uh, family of four, it's it's almost $35,000. So you keep in mind before this, those folks at that income level basically had no options. So a lot of people are familiar with our state's um, Our Kids First program. Right. A lot of people benefited from it, like me. That's part of kind of my story and, and, and why I'm... Uh, why I'm really feel blessed to do this work because I was one of the kids who benefited from our me, kids me first. Me too, me too. Right. So what we had in our state was a bunch of children with coverage, but a lot of times the parents and caregivers mm. of those same children did not have insurance coverage. Before we expanded, we had one of the most restrictive uh, Medicaid policies. Um, really, if you look around in other states, I mean, you had to be as an adult, pregnant, disabled, or elderly, uh, to enroll in insurance coverage. So we had, yeah, there's hundreds of thousands of folks who didn't have insurance. So we have 100,000 folks who get on the rolls uh, back in, I guess, 12, 2014. Yeah. 2014. Yeah. Uh, and then a few, I guess a couple years later, Asa Hutchinson become governor. Mm-hmm. And I remember this vividly because I remember there was a, uh, on House of Cards, Frank Underwood was running. <laughs> Y'all, America the, works. America works. America you remember works. that? I remember that. And I remember him running America works, and I said, and it was the same time the same that, time, yeah. that Governor yeah. Hutchinson said, we're going to do Arkansas, Arkansas work. work. And I said, this brother yeah. got his policy <laughs> from Netflix? There you go. <laughs> I said, wait a minute. Anyway, so we get Arkansas works in 2016 and kind of help us understand what yeah. What was that supposed to do before we get to where we are today? Okay, so basically, uh, Governor Hutchinson became governor. One of the big things on the agenda was like, we got to deal with this Medicaid expansion program. And a lot of folks were like, oh, it's going to end. It's going away. But here's the thing about us expanding coverage. Before we expanded it, so basically we said we're going to cover more people, and we're a poor state, so we're going to accept these additional federal dollars to help us pay for it. Before we did that... Let me stop right there. So yep. just just to put a pin and make sure I think I understand it and our yep. culture cohorts do. We we the state of Arkansas mm-hmm. pays a certain amount of those insurance right. costs and then we get subsidized by the federal right. government, correct? Right. And so it's based on um kind of poverty rates, things like that in the state. Unfortunately, we we are a high poverty state, and so we get more um federal dollars just for Medicaid, period. But the incentive for Medicaid expansion was that the state was going to provide even, I'm sorry, the feds were going to provide even more money for states. So we actually ended up in a better position in terms of our state budget. Before we expanded coverage to more people, we were trying to figure out how to even sustain our current Medicaid. Really? Uh, we had a like a budget shortfall. Folks are talking about which people can we kick out of the nursing homes and stop yeah. covering it? I mean, this was a real conversation. And and around that time, about 2015, 2016, we were, it was, what, like $40 million gain from Absolutely. in our state budget that kept, died, was a direct correlation from from uh, Arkansas Works. Yep, yep. So, I mean, it, it helped the state in addition to hospitals, right? So if you, you go, when, when folks don't have insurance, when do they go to the doctor? When they have an emergency. Right. ER. They go to the ER. And what does the ER do? They treat them regardless right. of whether they have coverage or not. And so you had all these hospitals who were also like, they were in the red. They were having trouble. And so this also helped those hospitals because they weren't having to take on the burden, essentially, of treating people who had no coverage. Mm-hmm. So it helped our state in a number of ways. So with the Arkansas Works, yep. and that that kind of gave us the, the midpoint, but was the whole idea always to get to where we are, where there is, yeah. as I understand yeah. it, a work requirement for you to have insurance? Was that always the plan, or did we just get there recently? So, you know, maybe it was always the plan. But <laughs> it wasn't our plan. I don't, I it wasn't everybody's plan. I don't think it was originally the plan. It was some people's plan. Okay. It wasn't everybody's plan. Um, so, so basically, so I gave you a little background on the benefits, right? right? Because that was one of the first things. Shift, shift in, in, in the state legislature. We have a new governor. Folks are like, we can get rid of this right. Obamacare plan. But it was doing so much good for our state. We were kind of like really dependent ending on it in terms of our state budget. We're going to have this huge hole. Now we have to start cutting education or we got to start cutting uh, all these other right. things. Highways, to, So we, we Highways, we couldn't. Um, and so then the conversation shifted to, well, we know we're keeping it. How can we make this a little more palatable to, to, to the folks who 
it's always been the plan to reduce, you know, uh, folks who are enrolled. Yeah, red, red meat. So uh, it, they start thinking, how can we start cutting some people off? Which is which is which is uh, embarrassing as a state to, to, to for that to, to be your priority. You were, we we at one point we had what three hundred thousand new mm-hmm. people on on uh, the private option, and we're talking about cutting, wanting have a goal to cut sixty thousand off. That that just yep. it blows my mind. So that started this trend of all these different changes in eligibility, all these new hoops you had to jump through, um, which essentially would remove certain people from the program with kind of this theme of personal responsibility. Another phrase that I really hate, skin in the game. These folks don't have any skin in the game. So we saw this trend of um, it becoming kind of, new policies that make it more difficult for people to enroll in coverage and for people to keep their coverage. One of the big things, though, I'm glad you asked about the shift. So the governor also rebranded the program, changed the name to Arkansas Works. So I think that's an important clarification because a lot of people hear the word Arkansas Works and they're like, oh, that's the work requirement. That's actually just the name of the program. So that's also important when when, when lawmakers are talking about voting for Arkansas Works, they are not necessarily voting for the work requirement. Okay, they I didn't are, even realize that. Right, they are voting just to keep the Medicaid expansion program in place, period. So the work requirement is new. Um, that actually just went into effect in June. Right. We are the first state in the nation to implement it. We're not the uh, first to get it approved, but, but we kind of ended up in sort of this race with other states to be the first to experiment with this um, this first time in the history of Medicaid that there has been a work requirement, and I actually think it's more accurately called a work reporting requirement uh, attached to Medicaid eligibility. Let, let's. I, I want to get in that back up a little bit. Yep. The reason we're the first in the state, if I understand correctly, first in the country, first in the country yes, first in the country is because there was a waiver issued from the federal government to allow us to add this reporting requirement. Is that correct? Okay, so you want me to really share some of this Medicaid expertise? Well, that's what I'm saying. Right. Hey, okay. you the, if the expert in the house, you ask the expert the expert questions. I'm trying to be a good lawyer. So, yes. Uh, so, here's how it works in Medicaid. You have federal regulations that say, here's what you can do. I like to call them the guardrails. Right, okay. So you can do whatever you want to customize this program for your state within these guardrails. Okay. If you want to do something, change something within those, you have to make a request to the uh, feds called a waiver. So you essentially it is what it says it is. Yeah. We want to waive this to demonstrate that we can do this particular thing more effectively. So, so a good example. So folks might say, we want to waive not having a copay for people who are going to the emergency room unnecessarily, right? So if you go to the emergency room and use Medicaid, instead of going to your primary care doctor, we're going to charge you a premium because we hope that this will keep people from going to the emergency room. So that's, yeah, that's just an example of like the kinds of things you can say, hey, we want to change this. So the guardrails have always been pretty clear, though, that you cannot make have uh, reporting uh, employment a condition of Medicaid. One of the reasons is because, you know, based on federal law, the program exists uh, specifically to provide medical assistance to low-income people. Um, and that was kind of the one thing I always learned, to try to keep them straight. Uh, Medicaid, you were aiding Yes. Poor people in Medicare, you were caring about older folks. So like you just mentioned, those garbage to eight people who right. don't have financial resources like other folks. That is the sole purpose that the yeah. program has always existed. Um, and so when in the past, folks say, well, we want to add this. We want to make this a requirement, this work reporting thing. Because it was outside of those federal guardrails, feds always said, no, nope, nope, you can't do it. So we had an earlier version of this called a work referral policy. So if you applied, you said you weren't employed, you were referred for work training to the Department of Workforce Services and you but you couldn't make it a condition of eligibility. So of course, around that same time period, not exactly the same, but around that time, you know, we start we saw the shift also at the federal level. So then those guardrails started to get wider and yeah. wider and wider. And let me say this, um the guardrails are pretty flexible already. 
Uh, there is a ton of flexibility in the Medicaid program that allows states to do a whole lot of things. I would say that when the guardrails got wider, we started to see some pulling back of what I consider important protections for consumers, consumer protections to make sure people actually can get the care they need. And so one of those was allowing or encouraging states to now require work to participate in the Medicaid program. And what what is that, and let's get to the the meat of that discussion there, what are the work requirements? Is it just... I got to get a job or, mm-hmm. I, I mean, how do people are supposed to comply with this to make sure they can keep their insurance coverage? Yep. So um, the reason I call it a work reporting requirement um, is because there, so you you have to, to comply, you have to report 80 hours a month of uh, work or work-related activities. Um, and so, you know, if you aren't working, you have to demonstrate that you're meeting that threshold by volunteering, um, by getting work training. Uh, And then there's this whole list of exemptions, people who do not have to report at all. Some of those exemptions are automatic. So, for example, uh, if you have a dependent child in your home, uh, you are going to be exempt from that requirement. Um, If you are enrolled in college full-time, you will be exempt. But some exemptions are automatic, some you have to report. So that's where it starts getting Getting really, really complicated and complex. Based on the state's own numbers, once they remove people who were already working, which, by the way, significant portion, the great majority folks in the program are already working. Once they remove the people already working and the people exempt, we only had 25% of enrollees left based on their own projections who would actually have to do some level of reporting. How do do these folks report? Okay, is it so, a call or you, you yeah. do it online or another place where it gets a little tricky? It's an online portal. <laughs> Let me tell you why that's an issue. That's an issue. Everybody because don't got internet. There you go. And <laughs> 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 literally, you, you can literally go ten miles outside of Little Rock, down in Southeast Pulaski County, and they don't have broadband. Right. And that's that's that that makes it. That's the stupidest requirement that I've that I've seen. You talking about hard scramble? No. <laughs> hard scramble is the right. Your boy don't know where hard scramble is. I was just playing. I was just playing. That was a joke. I know hard Shout out hard scramble. Shout out. I mean, and so there's some national reports, you know, depending on which ones you look at, but they say we're about 46th in the nation. And so to require that, so that was one of the early things, you know. 46th in the nation as it relates to internet. Internet access. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, that was one of the early things that, you know, folks start pushing back on saying, well, why would would people have to report? And I just, I I want to read this um, because I I need everybody to hear what the response was. And this was from DHS, uh, from the director of the agency. Uh, in response, Cindy Gillespie, right? Yes. Uh, in response to uh, three-term Blake said, "Hey, <laughs> say her name." <laughs> so asked about you know the online portal, folks have to you know use this portal. The response was, "We need to help them get an email address and learn how to deal in that world, or they will never be successful." So. So this is this is to help people. This is to help people by requiring them to report online. We're going to help them learn technology, which is necessary for them to be successful mm. in life. That that's kind of my paraphrase. Yeah. Um. You know. The logic there is not really strong. It, 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 it's not. It's not. Um. <laughs> particularly since we are not providing specific training to people to be able to be, you know, computer uh, computer literate. Um, you know, so the, the, honestly, the, the big news here is, well, the really big way, actually, I would say that Arkansas's work requirement, um, is much worse than, than so far than what we will see if other states get to implement it is because we also have a clause in there. You get three strikes and you are out. You are out of the program for the remainder of that calendar year. What do you mean three strikes? Like three failures to report? Three chances to be non-compliant. So okay. that can be if you didn't report. That can be if you reported 65 hours instead of the 80. That can be you didn't get the letter and you had no idea. Yeah. But three instances of being non-compliant, and then you're dropped from the program. And so, and you then would, you have to re-enroll and go through that whole process the following year? Yes. 
So Which it's not, hassle. you can't, you can't yeah. come back into compliance. You can't say, oh, I'm working now. You can't say, oh, I figured this thing out. I know how to report. You are locked out for the remainder of the year. So we just saw the first group of people get kicked out of coverage basically in the last week or so. Um, so a, a little over 4,500 people. Keep in mind. Um, 4,500 people had health care lost their health care because they didn't report the work requirements. But but you have to also understand, like like Mar- Marquita said, that this this took went to a place in June. Right. And they lost their coverage in August. Yep. Forty five hundred people in two months lost their coverage. So you we're that's that's what she's saying is that it's a lot worse than what we anticipated. Well, and and also to put that into perspective, the state isn't they didn't just require everybody to start reporting at once. So they have only been, uh, they've been progressively rolling it out to, um, you know, small segment of the population each month. More people have to start reporting because they're kind of phasing right. it in. Right. Um, so probably like 19, 20,000 people a month. So that 4,500 is really. Like 10%. It's, yeah. It's That's the tip of the iceberg. It's, it's the tip of the iceberg once we get to the point where everyone is having to uh, participate in this work reporting requirement. Uh, so what what do we do? Yep. How how can our our listeners, our citizens, vote. be effective? Vote, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, in, in this process, is it just we need different leadership in the capital? We need more people to help three term Blake uh, fight this fight, or is there other things we could do? So you know, so a couple things. So so first, you know, I think we have to recognize that this is the law right now. Um, and so right now we need to be trying to make sure folks who are relying on having this coverage can keep it. So like if you have a letter that came from DHS, uh, you got to open it. You got to open your mail, open your mail. We saw 60,000 people lose their coverage two years ago because they didn't respond to a letter. Yes. Man, that's important. Hey, that's important for the coach. I know there's a bunch of letters. Boy, I do not open Absolutely. Real talk. Just being honest. I said, like, well, man. I don't, and I don't either. I don't, I don't even, either. It's I like mean, spam mail to me. I got emailed. I get my Gmail account. I just put red. Right. And I ain't open it. <laughs> being, being 100, though. So that's hugely important, yeah. right? Make sure you're opening that mail. If you don't understand what the letter means, call. Find out what it means. Go to your cousin, your aunt. You go to the local call the library. Expert. Call, call me. Don't everybody don't call me. Some of y'all can call me. <laughs> but if you need help, you don't understand what it means. If this looks, this looks like something I should be concerned with, but I don't really know. So you know, make sure that you know what's coming. Um, and that's part of the reason why we wanted you on the show because I think there is some confusion. Right. And just listening to you explain it gives a better perspective. Um, obviously we, it's confusing. Yeah. yeah, It's confusing. And so, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this and you know that you're enrolled in the program and you're like, am I supposed to report or not? Like, find out, call. Um, the other thing is, so, so, you know, we have in other groups, I mean, we have outreach material. So we have like this little one pager where we try to simply explain what the work reporting requirement is, how you comply with it. So you could always visit Arkansas Advocates website. It's um, aradvocates.org. That's www.aradvocates.org. So we have a couple things there. Um, We have, you know, just some simple, easy to understand one pages. But if you want to follow this issue, uh, we try to regularly post a blog and keep information up because we want people to know what's happening on the policy side. Does it still exist? Is it... You know, what do I need to do next? Is Congress debating this? Is the state legislature debating this? And so we have that information as well. The other thing that we are working on, so we think we think it's really important. So, you know, we're kind of just hearing from folks, hey, I, I didn't get the letter. Hey, I don't know about this, but we don't really know, know what's happening. I mean, so it really has just been a few months. So we're working on building um, a simple little form. You say we, you're talking about Arkansas, Arkansas Advocates. Advocates. Yeah where you can share with us what your experience has been uh, with the program. So that's why I need y'all to visit our website, too, because we'll, um, we'll share that link. It'll be something real simple where you can say, here's, here's my name, I'm enrolled in the program, and this is how this is affecting me, because we think that it is important to capture that information and, and share those experiences, whether good or bad. You know what? If a lot of people report and say, 
this is easy peasy. We we are complying. We, we will share that just as well as we will share people who are having trouble. While I don't think a lot of folks will reply and say, you right. know, this is not a problem. This is great. Um, but it's just critically important. We, we want to empower people in the community to be able to use their voices as much as possible. So if we can be a tool uh, for helping people do that, that's what we want to do. And and Arkansas Advocates is exactly what it is. They're advocating for children and families. Yep. So by telling your stories, giving them your stories, you're you're giving us those personal. You're giving them those personal experiences that that they can use to advocate for you. Mm-hmm. If it's at the Capitol, if it's at City Hall, wherever it is, they they need to be able to tell those personal experiences. So it's very vital that that you tell them the 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 trouble you're having with, with this mm-hmm. program. And, you know, and of course, that that's the same conversation if, you, if you're talking to, uh, you know, your, your state rep or you're talking to your, you know, state senator, talk, tell them about um, how these things are personally um, affecting you. Um, Cause that's really what matters. I mean, lawmakers want to hear from see, folks in see, their district. See right? what she did there. I told him to call the advocate. She told him to call your state rep. I like what you did there, right? Here. I like that. Hey, she's from McClellan, bro. Hey, the street smarts. That's you know, McClellan street you smarts. Know. I like it. I like um, it. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the, in spreading the word. Make sure other folks know about it. Um, and I just I want to mention something else because I, I when this first happened and you know we were like oh we as an Arkansas advocates we we you know we released a statement saying. You know, uh, this is going to be, this isn't a good thing. We gave comments at the federal level saying you shouldn't approve this. And I, I, I received a question from from a couple of, of friends. Um, and one person said, I, yeah, I probably was on radio saying this is terrible or something. And I got a message from someone who said, well, why, why wouldn't we want to encourage people to work? I don't understand. And so um, I said, no problem with encouraging people to work. And helping people connect to job opportunities, be, you know, trained. mobile, training, that is a wonderful thing. That's not what this is. This is not helping connect people to work. This is something that has been really proven from what we've seen with other programs. Um, it, 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 it really is just complicated. It causes more people to lose coverage, and it comes at a high administrative price tag to the state. We aren't implementing this for free, right? Whether it's staff time, whether it's the cost of building this right. electronic portal for this small, small group of people in the program. So more people are going to lose coverage uh, because they're falling through the cracks of this complicated, all this red tape than people who will actually connect to employment. So that's the issue here. This is not a good investment right. uh, into the people of Arkansas if we want to help them get jobs. Well, I, I think you've done, I think, one, you proved yourself. We called you an expert. <laughs> I think anyone listening to this pod knows that. definitely you, expertish. Yeah, definitely the expert <laughs> on, on this issue and helping us understand where, where we've been, where we were, and where we are, and how to be helpful going forward. And I know that on your... Uh, you post about some of this on your social media from time to time too. So if people want to follow you, how can they how can they do that to keep informed from your perspective on what's going on? Uh so on Twitter I'm M Little A R. M Little A R on mm-hmm. Twitter. And I probably need to change it, right? Yeah, that's you went about the hype. Anyway, Marquita, <laughs> we appreciate you joining us. Uh obviously what you're doing impacts a lot of people in our culture and our community. And you're definitely rocking the culture by being an expert in your field and sharing the word. So as a one, just as a friend, as our and I appreciate you. But again, I can't shout out McClellan enough, man. I'm just so That's happy, right. you know, to have more McClellan. And, Me too. And two-term, <laughs> I mean, three-term Blake ain't saying nothing today because <laughs> he know McClellan in the house and we rapping. Big red, big white, big blue. I, I just respect Marquita more than I respect you. So. Oh, I'll take that. Oh, <laughs> you gonna throw me under the bus? Like an expert. I, I really don't know what you are. Yet. I'm trying to figure that one out still. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Marquita, again, thank you for joining us thank on you. Rock the Culture. Um, we're gonna get ready to end this week's episode, but next week, Blake, we have another special guest. Lydia Page will be us, with us, talk about her boss up movement, entrepreneur spirit. Uh, and what she's doing for women empowerment throughout throughout the city, throughout the region, throughout the state. Um, and then, before we do our shout-outs, though, Blake, we got to give a shout-out to some friends of the pod who reached out to Blake and I and wanted us to correct a statement we made about the city board races and the mayoral races. I think a couple weeks ago we told y'all to win the city board seat, you had to have the 40-plus the one. That we misspoke 
to win the city board seat, you just have to have the majority. The the person with the highest number of votes will win those seats. So the people running from city board and the people running from mayor work on the two different metrics as it relates to who can win those different seats. And we just want to make sure on Rock the Culture that we're informative, we're engaging, we're entertaining, but we're giving you correct information. So we appreciate that person reaching out. Appreciate y'all being listeners to the pod. And as always, you can find Rock the Culture on Facebook at Rock the Culture, on IG at Rock the Culture, and on Twitter at Rock the Culture. I'm your host, Antoine Phillips. I'm on IG at Antoine Phillips, and you can find my man. He, he ain't got nothing to say because McClellan in the house. Blake, your favorite representative, <laughs> always repping. Two take, three terms. You can find me on IG at RepBlake36. Man, we'll see y'all next week. <laughs>